It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway, a Kyrie when he make a trade, and nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you got a repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen after every game is very important, Millie. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Talks Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for making us part of your daily routine. Today, that daily routine includes celebrating a 113-107 win over the Milwaukee Bucks Game 1 of the first round of the NBA playoffs. I am John Corrales from RedsArmy.com, Boston.com, and wherever else I decide to put my stuff. (laughs) Jam Packard with me today. Uh, Jam Packard, formerly WEI, now changing the world, one criminal justice system at a time. And we are going to talk. There, there's a lot to get to here. So we had a crazy finish at the end, the overtime, uh, foul calls, what's a foul, what's not a foul, what's a travel, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, we had that horrible second quarter where the Celtics the Celtics basically outplayed the Bucks for most of this game except for that second quarter, which which was a, a lot. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. And then we got monster performances from a, a few people here. So let's let's just dive into that, Sam. Uh, first guy I, I want to recognize is Al Horford, because I think Al Horford... He was, was the best player on the court. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, this, the Celtics got the ball to him in the post like right away on the first possession of the game. And he scored, and I was like, yes, that's what you got to do. you got to get more Al Horford in the post to to have this thing work. And they, I don't think they did it enough, but literally almost every time that they got to it, got it to him in that situation, it worked. He bullied Giannis Antetokounmpo. He- I didn't think that was a thing. I didn't think if you just asked me, like, oh, yeah, could Al Horford post up Giannis? I'd be like, no, he's the Greek freak. But Al Horford just dominated Giannis on possession – after possession in the post, it was shocking. I was what? amazed. I was all for it. And the Horford went to the line a bunch, uh, got Giannis some fouls. Giannis ends up fouling out in the in overtime. It probably wouldn't happen in regulation. But still, I was amazed by Al Horford's uh, offensive performance tonight. And I think you combine that with he just played stellar defense on Giannis the entire night. And Brad mentioned that in his post game is just about like how well he played on Giannis and. Giannis is going to put up numbers, especially when he plays 40, I think he played 45 minutes in tonight's game. Uh, he's going to get 35 points, but I thought Horford was just fantastic on defense. Chris Middleton, I thought, was the Bucks' best player in tonight's game. Uh, he was uh, really phenomenal, um, but I think Horford was definitely the best player on the floor. Yeah, it, look, Middleton had an amazing game, uh, including that three, which... That was wild. That's fucking ins- that was insane. I have no idea how he caught and shot that in half a second, and, and drained did. it, and it and didn't even hit the rim. <laughs> just pure, just totally pure. 
couldn't believe it. And I was like, I, I was like celebrating. I was like, there's no possible way. And they were saying, like, he was clapping. He's like, give me the ball. I'm like, yeah, just give him the ball. It doesn't matter. He's not going to hit this. And he drilled it. Should uh, Jalen Brown have been up in his face? That I've seen a little, a little talk about that on Twitter about, yeah, that dude uh, made an amazing shot. But Jalen could have been like, it felt like Jalen was watching Giannis instead of following uh, maybe, Middleton around. Maybe, you know, if, if this had gone a little bit differently, maybe that would have been a bigger We would have been furious at Jalen. We would have been furious at Jalen for that if they did uh, Celtics didn't win. <laughs> but uh, considering that it didn't work out that way, then uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe he should have. Uh, and But look, you also in that situation don't know if he's going to like lunge forward and try and, try and get a foul. You really have to be very careful. Like What happened there with Middleton is like you, you – Kind of have, have to, to hope live that the it. guy doesn't hit a, like an right. amazing thirty-five foot shot. Like you can't criticize because what happens is with half a second left, players end up trying to do crazy things like to get the the three free throws or maybe an and one or whatever. So if you get up in his airspace too close and he like flails and the referees fall for it somehow, then then the question is what the hell were you doing so close to a guy with half a second on the clock? Like, if he drills that shot, he drills that shot. You're up three. You're not going to lose. So, you know, you go into overtime, you take your chances, and you hope what happened today happens. So I'm not going to get on Jalen Brown for that at all. Uh, but back to Al Horford because uh, I thought uh, aside from the end of the third quarter where he was clearly obviously gassed, he was just phenomenal throughout this entire, the entire game. Uh, again, him in the post was awesome. The defense, the transition defense, that one challenge that he, I think, was it a block? That Giannis had the ball, full head of steam. Al Horford hung with him, met him at the rim, like through for three quarters of court, and then challenged the shot. I think he might have gotten a finger on it. It was an amazing defensive play. Just an awesome all-around game for Horford. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens now with the Bucks, uh, how do they counter that? Because right away, I think the Celtics on Tuesday night, you go to Al Horford in the post and see, you kind of probe, you kind of see what's going to happen. Are they going to overreact? Are they going to collapse on him and try to get the ball out of his hands? And if they do, then what happens? What do the Celtics run to counter the Bucks' overreaction, which could be a lot of backdoor stuff? I think if the Bucks get too focused on Al Horford, you're going to see Al Horford in a situation where he's finding guys like Jalen cutting back door. You're going to see some backdoor plays that that get the Celtics some easy buckets. Yeah, I can see that. Or they could try to throw John Henson at him. I feel like John Henson might be more stout post defender to Al Horford, but you're right. It's going to be uh, very interesting to see how the Bucks uh, defend him because the the Bucks don't really have any other guys who are that big or that size. Like Jabari Parker, when he was out there, he's basically their backup four and the kind of guy you'd expect to get minutes at that kind of bigger swing position. He was terrible on defense. The Celtics were just targeting him whenever he was on the floor. And so how the Bucks respond lineup wise, I think is fascinating because uh, we saw Giannis, um, I guess when, when Henson was on the floor or when Zeller on the floor, the Celtics did a really good job of like forming a wall and making basically Giannis either pick up his dribble or pass it away. Like they weren't going to let Giannis beat them. But then when Giannis was at basically at the five, he could really get to the rim. That's when the Bucks were, in a lot, were scoring a lot of points in the fourth quarter. Um, and that's the thing about the fourth quarter, that it, it turned out that the Celtics uh, won and actually 
or didn't win. They ended up uh, going to overtime, obviously, but they um, they won the game eventually. But in that fourth quarter, they were up 10 with four minutes to go and then really choked it away. And that was with Giannis on the, um, at the five. The Bucks offense was playing at its best. Uh, at that point, though, the Celtics can counter with just posting Al Horford. So the kind of the lineup matchups going into game two. And this is why I love the playoffs, though, because the storylines and everything is just so much more fascinating with the coaches being able to make adjustments. Um, it's going to be great just to see how uh, Waylon Smithers, that's the coach of the uh, uh, Milwaukee Bucks, right? <laughs> I just I sat down at the post game press conference and he like sat down for to start his press conference. I was like, my God, that that's Waylon Smithers. Yeah, he seems like he seems like somebody let the HR guy come in and take over the team. And he's just going to explain to you that the new policies that you got for your health care and it's going to be very boring. Right. Oh, my right. God. But <laughs> the lineup th- uh, matchups is something that he mentioned in the post game, too. So it's. I'm looking forward to game two already. I love playoff yeah, basketball. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating. Uh, the the Celtics, I think, with Horford, and and it's gonna be interesting because there's like the move, the counter move, and the counter to the counter move. Then what happens? Like the the Celtics, I think today, even with Horford on eight shots, scoring 24 points, 12 rebounds, uh, four assists, three three blocks, two steals. That's his his overall numbers. But eight shots for Horford, 14 free throws. I still think the Celtics didn't do a great job of finding Al Horford as much as they could have. He he could the have Celtics, had more opportunities. Their their half court offense is pretty bad. Uh, yeah. That was like much of the reason for the struggles of when they were like couldn't score is just a lot of dumb turnovers, especially in that second quarter and in that stretch in the fourth quarter. Uh, and you're right. I feel like they should in that in that half court set be playing more through Horford than they are. You mentioned eight shots, but it just. It doesn't feel like they're going to him in the high post as much uh, as you think. Maybe I guess he's doing like he still does a lot of facilitation with dribble handoff. But you're right; they still could do better job running the, the offense through Horford because right now, whatever they're in their half court offense isn't that great. They're just yeah. not a very good like t- like the offense is much better when they can play in transition or they're making steals and then um, like that's where their athlete, athletes take over. They're not like not the best offensive team right now. The, the Celtics did a ton of uh, Rozier, Horford, dribble handoffs, and then Rozier would turn the corner, and this is where they missed. And we'll talk about Rozier in a minute. He had an awesome, awesome game and an amazing overtime. But the one criticism I have of Rozier is that he does not see the floor very well and and I've had people I tweeted it out and people responded that he's just so focused on getting the bucket that he's not really looking at the floor so there might be some of that and it's not necessarily a a total negative but there are times where you run a dribble handoff with with Horford uh, and then Horford would pop out and he was wide open and just those are opportunities that you can't miss a lot of because when Horford gets it wide open at the top He's either going to shoot the three and and have a very high chance of making it, or because he has a very high chance of making the three, draws so much overreaction on the on the uh, by the defense that that's going to open up other things. So that's when the ball movement comes into play. So I think one thing in game two that the Celtics will have to do better in game one, so you can avoid that second quarter where the Celtics were outscored uh, thirty to fifteen and shot. Uh, let's see, 20% and had five turnovers that led to nine bucks points. To avoid that kind of stuff, 
I think they're going to have to find Horford at places where he's going to stretch the defense at the top of the key on pick and rolls and dribble handoffs and then let Horford pass and then you can start breaking down their half court defense but only when you do that because if you're not if you're just kind of mucking it up in the middle and trying to dribble too much and drive and kick drive and kick doesn't work necessarily with the with this you have to find other ways to get the ball into the paint get those paint touches and get that defense into rotation drive and kick what ends up happening is the length of Milwaukee just ends up deflecting so many balls that they that's when the, all of those steals happen. They get out to transition, and things can cascade out of control quickly. So uh, that that's the one thing I would be looking for to avoid that that type of collapse happening again. Yeah, that's the thing about this Milwaukee defense is they are so long, and they kind of play, um, I at least they thought played kind of conservatively in the fact that they weren't flying out or hedging like a hard on pick and rolls and like creating those uh, four-on-three situations for the Celtics. Like they were just kind of dropping back, playing pretty – conservative defense and their length is is like a lot of the Celtics can't beat their guy off the dribble immediately especially with the kind of the length the Bucks have and so it led to you're right the driving kick situations where you're just driving into length and a lot of just passes that uh across the entire offense or like when you're falling out of bounds those were the dumb like the worst Celtics turnovers then those immediately to baskets for the Bucks because that's they're basically their bread and butter um, but you're right. I think they're, they have to fit, do a better job of getting pain touches. And they always talk about getting the ball side to side. I still don't think they did a, a great job of that tonight. It really felt like the, the stretches of good offense were when they were creating a lot of turnovers or when just uh, like some crazy stuff, like they had some good fortune in terms of offensive rebounding. I guess it's not all good fortune. You have to create your own offensive rebounding, but the Bucks are not a good uh, defensive rebounding team. And the Celtics did a lot of like, if, at least it felt like lucky bounces to them, but Horford got his own rebound sometimes. I know Mook did it a couple times and they were able to just like uh, get a, that extra shot up. Um, but other than that, I didn't think they're off like them running plays or their offense was that uh, great tonight. But then at the same time, guys like Mook and Terry Rozier at the end of the game and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they ended up having big nights. So I don't know. <laughs> hey, uh, I want to remind everybody that, there is a Locked On Bucks podcast out there that I would highly recommend subscribing to, listening to it during the playoffs. You should listen to us, obviously, which you're doing right now if you're hearing me say these words. And then you should also go check out the Locked On Bucks because that will give you a different perspective. We just we watch it from a Celtics perspective. It's going to be really interesting, and I'm I'm listening to Locked On Bucks every day during this this playoff series because I want to hear their takes on what they saw and what their adjustments are going to make. So if you want to know what the Bucks might do and what the Celtics might do to counter, listen to the Lockdown Bucks podcast because they will give you that perspective and you get a very uh, good, deep understanding of what might happen next in this series. So it's definitely worth checking out the Lockdown Bucks podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. 
For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Jason Tatum, since we'll move on from now. Star child. I could do, we could do like an hour on each of these guys. So we got to try to get it all in, in a reasonable amount of time today. But Jason Tatum. Them sideburns. Oh man, he was great. Oh man. I, I just, for a second, can I just take the analyst kind of, and just for a second, just say, man, I fucking love that kid. <laughs> just love that kid. He's so goddamn good. That reaching right hand layup around Giannis at the end of the like, I don't even know how did he do that. He's long. He's the longest man ever. I longer like... than Giannis. Longer <laughs> than Giannis. <laughs> it's so it's like battle of Slenderman. It's just ridiculous. Uh, Tatum in his. Uh, playoff debut only had 19 points, 10 rebounds. The third Celtics rookie to have a double-double uh, in his first playoff game. The other two are Tommy Heinsohn and Bill Russell. So Good, good group to be a part of. <laughs> good company. So 19 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, three steals, one block. He did have five turnovers. But uh, just a, an awesome, awesome, awesome game. And the reason why you want to talk about Tatum now after talking about how shitty the Celtics half-court offense was, is he bailed them out. I don't know how many times. By just Start of the fourth dribbling. quarter, it was all Jason Tatum. Oh, man, just dribbling, creating. The Celtics offense in the half-court has been very not good. And Tatum has found ways to just create stuff out of that muck and get himself easy shots that one shot I just loved it uh Malcolm Brogdon was was guarding him and it was like the high post and he up faked and spun and like he was going to it looked like he was setting himself up for a fadeaway jumper and Brogdon with his hand up his right hand up kind of advanced out to challenge the shot and and Tatum just ducked under the arm kept his pivot foot and had like a little floater. He duped me. I was duped. I thought he was going up for it. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. He's going under. It was awesome. That was fantastic. Just absolutely amazing. And then even when he had that turnover in the, in the overtime, a horrendous, terrible (laughs) turnover, but he hustled back and got the block. I think Jason Tatum's defense is almost as notable as, as his offense. And I say only say almost because his offense was just so damn good. He also had that amazing like one-handed pass to 
juice oh. underneath it. That was oh. awesome. That's the best pass I've seen Jason that Tatum throw. orgasmic. Thrill. I just <laughs> I can't talk about this kid with any reasonable sense because the stuff that he was doing on the floor was not rookie type stuff. That was you know fourth year guy type stuff. Like he's he. He's not afraid of the moment ready. whatsoever, which is not awesome. Not at all. Not he dunked all. early and was just like, yes, I'm here. I'm Jason Tatum. I belong. Right. It was dope. That finish, that he had Giannis chase, getting ready for the chase down block. He just quickly just rose up and said, nope, I'm dunking this shit. And it was just, yeah, I, what can you say? What can you say about that? I mean, it's just awesome. <sighs> we good? We good? Breathe. Let's take a breath. Let's take a breath. <laughs> I, just, I need a cigarette now. All right. I think we should transition to talking about <laughs> ISO Mook. Let's let's talk about ISO Mook, please. Um, ISO he was Mook. amazing. He was like the he had some crazy ass plays. He had the and one at the end of the first quarter, made three. Yep. Uh, some just crazy made shots at the end of end of the shot clock. He got his own rebound. He was great. It was classic Mook. He's and he got into like a little bit of a um, scrum, I guess. There, I don't remember the exact movement, but he was uh, like during a jump ball. He was aggressive. He's a little bit of the crazy guy you need in the playoffs. Yeah, and I thought he was perfect tonight. <laughs> oh, he was. He totally was. And he was a, a very good defender. I thought there were some times where he got switched on to Giannis. I thought Mook played um, very solid defensively, and. Given the Celtics' offense where it is, you just need him to take the shots he's going to take, and hopefully they go in um, because you need those points at this point. So yeah. I, I thought he was very good tonight. I have, I'm a huge <laughs> he, fan. He hit, he hit some bullshit. <laughs> of course, that's that's part of the game. <laughs> Total mook bullshit shots in the mid range, but uh, what was it? It was it the uh, was it the third quarter where he, he it was the. Sh- Shot clock was winding down, and he got the ball. It was like a long two, but it, it was... Well, yeah, they had a crazy run where it was... Um, he hit a corner three, then it was point... Um, Al Horford uh, found Jalen for, I think, a two. Then that was the crazy possession where he, like, basically took all 24 seconds and eventually just got to the rim, and then Jalen Brown hit a three. They scored 10 points in, like, a minute and 20 seconds in the third quarter. And yeah. the ISO, I have it in my notes that it's the ISO mookiest possession of all time. Yeah, absolutely. It totally was. It totally was. He had a couple of stretches at the end of the game where he had some defensive lapses, I thought. What, was that on him for the um, the Brogdon three to tie it up? I think it was. I think it was because... I looked like they were playing a zone to in like to just for the inbound, and then they didn't know how to transition out of that zone to man to man. And someone, both him and Terry, went running, so I didn't know who was in the wrong. But Brogdon yeah. was wide open. I feel like I feel like two things went wrong there. I feel like Morris didn't didn't do what he was supposed to do um, because Horford. I forget who they were, who the defend he was defending, but Horford went with one guy. Morris went with the same guy. I think Morris. I think it was Giannis. Gone. Yeah, I think. I th- yeah, and then when Giannis came around the corner, then I think Rozier re- reacted and left Brogdon alone. But in that situation, that was a down three. You're better off just if you even if you kind of like jab. Stay with the three-point shooter. Even if Giannis goes in and dunks, that that situation was you still have to inbound. They foul you. You make your free throws, and it's still over. But 
you had so it started with Morris, and then Terry overreacted, and then that left Brogdon open. And then there was another one that ended up in a Giannis dunk that I think Morris kind of misread a, a switch or whatever. So, but I, I think generally speaking, individually, I think Morris did a very good job defensively. And like you said, the, the some of the shots that he hit were just clutch, clutch shots, huge for him. Next man up, I think, is uh, Tito Three Sticks himself. We just mentioned him that that is his goof up on defense, but I I feel like I can't even remember. He's already come up a bunch of times, but he that his what he did to Eric Bledsoe was just mean. That was a cruel, cruel moment, and I thought that was going to be the defining moment of the game. But that dribble step back just to freeze Eric Bledsoe and to nail it was huge. That was like the classic Tito Three Sticks moment. Uh, it feels like he he is this is such a cliche, but he's like such a He's a clutch player or shows up like the moment matters to him in terms of his personality because he didn't have a great uh, scoring totals uh, basically for the first three quarters. He wasn't great on offense. You mentioned kind of his struggles in pick and roll with uh, Horford earlier or on the dribble handoffs. and But he showed up and that what he did to Eric Bledsoe was just uh, that was mean. I mean it was mean I said You're some right. mean things about Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton <laughs> in the preview pod and I'm gonna say I was wrong about the things I said about Chris Middleton he's a fine player but I stand by my Eric Bledsoe slander because what Terry <laughs> Rozier did to him was uh disrespectful and then he just continued his great play in the um overtime is a big reason why they were able to pull ahead yeah it, Rozier he does respond uh, he is not afraid of, of the shot. He is not afraid of the moment, uh, which has sometimes maybe not been great for him. But in, in this, in the over, overtime, he was uh, amazing. Uh, let me pull up the overtime numbers. He was uh, he, he scored eight points. He hit six free throws, uh, or five, five of six free throws. He hit that three. Uh, just an awesome performance. I mean, he was the guy in overtime more than every – Scored more than every other Celtic combined. Tatum, Horford, and Brown each hit a basket. So, or actually, Horford had free throws. So, an awesome uh, finish for for uh, Terry Rozier. And I wrote about this yesterday or Saturday uh, that this is this is Terry Rozier's moment. This is his now third year. He is the guy. He is there. There's really no great option to back him up. So maybe they're going to get Marcus Smart back at some point later on in the series. Which he was out a- there shooting before the game. He looked good to me. They did say that he could probably be back by game seven if it goes seven and hopefully possibly earlier. So we'll see about that. But that that's it for Rozier. Like Rozier is your starting point guard and he's going to have to play a ton of minutes because they don't have a ton of great options. Like Rozier played... 40 over 40 minutes because Shane Larkin in the second quarter. Shane was, Larkin had a, had a, some a terrible, terrible ooh, first couple minutes in this game. That was, he had a bad second quarter. Now he did redeem himself later on and it's good for, you know, him and look, the Celtics, they need, they're going to need him to play at some point anyway, but he still, you know, you can't count on him for a ton. Like in, in a game like this, he still only played 16 minutes. Him, Monroe, Ojale. Moose, basic... Moose was a, a ghost out there tonight. We had ghost Moose. I, you know, and it sucks because I really think that Monroe could be a guy that helps in this series, but he 
barely, barely got any touches. I mean, it was just whatever. Uh, but back to Rozier. I, I just think that this moment for Rozier is a, a early career-defining moment to play in these playoffs. How he plays in these playoffs can can really change the course of his career moving forward. If the Celtics see him as a guy that could hang around for a while, then that does make other decisions personnel-wise interesting at the very least, and I'm not going to get into that in this podcast, but having another option, a good player that's under contract for another year that, you know, who knows how it goes. Hey, he has a tremendous amount of value either on this team or as a trade chip or something. Somehow, uh, Rozier is is handling this moment so far very well. And I, I think moving forward, it's it's on him. If he does not play well, things probably will not go well for the Celtics. They need Rozier to be at least decent. And on a night like this, he had 23 points, four rebounds, three assists, a steal. Uh, just overall pretty good night for or day for Rozier. They, they, they're they going to need that type of production from him this whole series. Absolutely. <laughs> like, they're going to need points from everyone uh, this whole series because um, if you look at the kind of the – I don't know where else they, they should expect to get points from on this roster. They basically got 20 points from uh, the ending five. Um, I guess Tatum finished with 19, but Horford – Jalen Brown, we haven't really talked about tonight, uh, also finished with 20. Morris had 20, and Tito had 23. But you expecting Shane Larkin or Semi Ojale to score more points for you? Moose gave you one point, but um, I don't know where else this Celtics team is going to get scoring from. So basically, they need like to, a similar type performance um, in each of the next games because I just don't know where the more points are coming from unless like Jalen Brown goes for 10 more. Let's talk about Jalen because he had, I thought he struggled early, um, but he showed, he just was kind of very good. He, I feel like he's just pretty consistent and will be there and make the right shot. He's the guy who like benefits the most from just back cuts. He was the guy getting the, the easy baskets at the rim like that. I think he's just a very solid offensive player, even though he didn't have the greatest shooting night. He was nine for 19. I think, well, look, Jalen is, I thought was tremendous. He was really, really good defensively. Um, I think there were a couple of times where he showed a very uh, much improved handle where where he got drives that he got himself free uh, with an exceptional amount of dribbling that is generally, has not uh, generally been very good news for for the Celtics when he's had that much dribbling but tonight he showed that he his handle is much improved and he's um he he can get himself to the rim and I I thought early on him getting to the rim was really important uh but then of course like the court awareness to to get open for that pass from Tatum that we talked about and in going out there and defending he really uh early in that first quarter when the Celtics were just really flying around and played one of their best quarters of the season. Jalen Brown was in the midst of that. He was in the midst of that defending, tipping it away, getting out on the break. It was just really, really, I I thought he had a a pretty good game. Concur. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Uh, I would like to remind everybody also uh, to 
subscribe if you're not a subscriber to the Locked On NBA podcast. Uh, I am one of the co-hosts on Wednesdays, so the I will be doing Locked On NBA post Celtics. So we'll have the Locked On Celtics podcast on Wednesday, obviously, and I I will be on Locked On NBA talking about the Celtics on a national scale. And we have, like I said, the the show has gone daily. So you've got a a bunch of the Locked On Network hosts hosting shows together. So I'm on with uh, Jake Madison from the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And uh, yeah, so I would like you to subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast, just like you subscribe to Locked On Celtics, because it's a great way to get caught up on everything. All right, let's... um, Let's go to the Twitter. Twitter. Let's go to the Twitter and get some of these old tweets in with the Rain and Jays hashtag uh, and start with at live green or die. Uh, that game was a perfect example of why the NBA is going to be the most popular sport to watch in the coming future. Uh, look, obviously time is a concept and <laughs> a social construct, but I agree. That the NBA is going to be the most popular sport in the coming future. Yeah, I think so. I think baseball has just got serious problems. Can be a little bit boring. And the NFL, people, they're just like murdering each other on the field. There's a real ethical, moral <laughs> dilemma to watching that sport. I, I really agree. Like when the key to the game is uh, which which guy suffered the life threatening injury. I mean, Gronk goes and gets fucking blasted in the head. And gets his egg scrambled, and it's like, oh well, that's a key play. Like, no, I mean, <laughs> this is, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna have CTE later in life. Like, that's, I, I don't like that at all. So, but that's my personal opinion. But the NBA is dope. Like, I watched basketball for nine hours straight yesterday, and it was all of it was compelling and fantastic. It's awesome. It was awesome. So yeah, I'm, I'm obviously we're a little, little bit biased, but yeah, I agree. Uh, at pass I R R R. Uh, will you please take your time murdering the average Al morons on the pod after this game, please? Um, I mean, if if that's what the crowd wants, then look, I I will say this, and there's other com- other comments about Horford uh, at Reynaldo Oreo eighty two certainly was an average Al today uh, at Merlin Cano. Al Horford made a big difference in this game, so there are obviously at Horford is one of the, I guess, more polarizing players on this team. Basically the people who watch what my, my favorite part about this whole thing is that in a year where Al Horford was an all-star uh, is, and is amongst the people being considered for all defense and all NBA teams that we have spent all of this time trying to ar- or arguing, and I am very guilty of it, arguing with idiots over how good Al Horford is. He is having now, yeah, he had a lull after the All Star break, and it would have been nice to see him do some other things like later in the season. But I mean, maybe when you look at how well he played today against a really good player, maybe it's just maybe he was just coasting. Maybe he's a guy in his early 30s and he understands, like, the end of this regular season doesn't mean a whole lot. So I'm not going to go crazy. And, and I'm, yeah, he's going to coast a little bit and pick it up come playoff time. And 
if you're going to have a guy, if you're going to pick a time when you're going to play, when you're going to, you know, go crazy, this is the time, right? Not when you're already locked into the second seed and it doesn't really matter. So, I don't know. I, I just... The the thing that's the most frustrating about the whole average Al thing is that Lou Merloni, the, the main perpetrator of such nonsense... It's like now he's moved the goalposts of the argument. He's like, well, when so when Al Horford does play well, he goes, well, yeah, this is exactly the like the type of uh, Al Horford I want. It's just like, well, he's now you're just changing the argument, but before you've literally called him average Al, which is an insult to his entire like wow. he's been the best defensive player on the best defensive team. It, he's going to be probably a, I think uh, all NBA team or first team defense. I don't know about first team, but second team defense. I think he could be named to the all NBA third team. Um, he's just amazing player. And just for the fact that you even nickname him average Al is ridiculous for you. Just like move the goalposts completely on the argument. It doesn't like uh pardon your initial stupidity. Yeah, no, it, exactly. Exactly. When he finally, you're like, Oh, he finally stepped like no Al Horford has been uh, fantastic, fantastic for the Celtics, super important for the Celtics. I don't want to waste a ton of time having to, we've already, to we've, already, to, we've already yelled about this too much, too much, too much. It's just, this, this is, is the playoffs. We should be happy. We should be uniting, right. not dividing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So let's get back to the hashtag. Uh, if, <laughs> if only there was a Bucks Twitter, they'd be so heated right now. <laughs> I'm I've been trying to find a Bucks Twitter. There's not a lot of people out there. No. And you, I've been saying some nonsense things about Chris Middleton and like I got a few uh ironic retweets of that today from Bucks Twitter, but they're not saying anything to me. They're very polite those people from Milwaukee. Well, they're not look, trying to start anything and I, res- I I guess I respect it, but I, I don't I, know. I don't know why anybody like would expect Bucks fans to be salty or anything like they had they've had a disappointing season. Like, look at this roster that they have. They should be better. Like, they have Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is an MVP candidate. Okay, an MVP candidate. Middleton is a really good player. Uh, Snell, Bledsoe, Brogdon, Parker. They're Those all guys, solid. Parker, the, although uh, uh, Parker's the biggest thing because Parker was a number what two pick. Yeah. After Wiggins. Uh, he should be a lot better. Like, he should I kinda, be. That's what Bucks Twitter. What I what I have found on Bucks Twitter is that they hate Jabari Parker. Yeah, and they are really down on him playing whatsoever. And I kind of think they need Jabari Parker if they want to go to those lineups uh, with Giannis at the five, because really Jabari Parker is the only kind of four that fits in next to Giannis at the five. So they kind of need Jabari Parker, but um, that's what I, Bucks Twitter is talking about right now. Yeah, yeah. So they're. There's no reason for Bucks Twitter to be uh, up in arms or anything like that because they're they're disappointed in their team. When I listen to the Lockdown Bucks podcast or listen to these guys talk, or it, most of it is, look at this roster. We should be better than this. Like the, they should be looking at the Celtics in that second seed as decimators they are and say, yes, this is the opportunity to get. And on top of, they shouldn't even be playing the Celtics. They should probably be in that four or five uh, series with the, uh, the Cavs who, by the way, got blown out by the Pacers today, but, uh, side note. So I, I don't know when I look at, I, I see no reason to trying to pr- provoke Bucks Twitter because there's look, they're, 
they're having their own tough time. I I don't want to. <laughs> I, I feel bad about piling on. Like we shouldn't pile on to Bucks Twitter. Like they're they're one of those teams. We, that, sh- we shouldn't go looking for a fight. Yeah. We should be like karate and only respond in self defense. J- exactly, exactly. Let's just, let's leave the Bucks fans alone. They're having a hard enough time with this season as it is. They they're staring down the barrel of Antetokounmpo, kind of like starting to question his existence in Milwaukee. They're lucky that he is who he is, and I think that he is at a point now where he's still very much dedicated to Milwaukee, but. Uh, it's not going to be long if this keeps going. If they screw up this coaching search, it's not going to be long before people, you know, get in his ear and be like, "Hey, you know, there are other cities, uh, other teams." So, but uh, why haven't they just surrounded him with shooting? Like they could have gotten Marco Bellinelli or Ilyasova. Like know. they like it feels so obvious, but like but like Giannis at the five doesn't seem like a thing they've tried yet, and it's like. This is playoff basketball. Of course, like that would be like the most logical thing. He's like he's seven feet tall. <laughs> right, right. I, I don't know. Use him like you know they use Al Horford, but yeah, uh, you know he's not that kind of a passer. But um, yeah. So again, just let's just leave the Bucks fans alone. That's my take. That's fair. Okay, reasonable. <laughs> that's that's me. Yeah, I'm trying to be fair and reasonable. Uh, let's head to the rain and j- junk hashtag. And then before we get to Jam's junk drawer, and uh, at by Fraxter, the lamp miss uh, uh, the lamp missed an OT by Rozier just completed the full Tito experience. I don't remember the specific layup, but yeah, was, that sounds about right. <laughs> right down. And the the funny thing is, is that I I'll disagree slightly because usually the full Tito experience involves him getting really stupid fancy with the layup and missing. This was a drive right down the center of the lane, and he just laid it up softly over to the front of the rim. And I don't know if he just put too much spin. The ball kind of squirted out of the rim. But they ended up getting the ball back. But he, it was, like, surprising. Like, Tito was, like, he put his hands on his, on his, <laughs> on his knees. He was like, what the fuck? Like, you could see it. He's like, that was bullshit. So, um and let's see. That's uh, that's the only uh, rain and junk hashtag we got from this game. So I guess it's junk drawer time. All right. Um, junk drawer. Uh, gotta say, way too many Aaron Baines shots in the first quarter. Yeah, I think there's about two of them. But it's just like this. We we've come time to the playoffs. We don't need to settle the end of the shot clock for an Aaron Baines, uh, like twelve footer. Because Aaron Baines was taking them somewhat early in the shot clock, and I just I appreciate Aaron Baines and what he does on defense, but I'm I just can't live with those Baines shots. No, I agree. That was like there there were a couple times where I was like, what, what Aaron, what are you doing, man? And but they they went away from that. Um, moving on to this is mostly for people who are in the stadium, but for uh, who watch uh, the Kid Picasso segment where they they have to guess what the. <laughs> uh, what the player the kid drew is fantastic, and they they just keep on doing new ones. And I uh, just gotta say, it's been it's a great segment. I highly recommend. Do they post those online somewhere? Um, no, I haven't seen them, but they definitely should. Um, I'll I'll talk to some people and uh, get the, all the kid Picasso online. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, gotta say, Semi uh, had some bullshit calls go against his uh, him specifically against Giannis. And I was upset because I thought Semi played some pretty solid defense uh, on Giannis in his short time there. Uh, I think he's going to be a um, more important member of the bench. Although, I don't know. They they need so much ball handling that it feels like Larkin is going to uh, be important. But um, 
they're going to need some sort of bench production. I just like, I thought Semi got jobbed on some tonight, and that doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, he did. I think he did. There was a, a block charge that um, was uh, horrendous. I, I think, yeah, I think he kind of got screwed. Considering and all it, of the, the the contact that was being allowed up until that point, he, there was so much being allowed that to have that little thing be the call against Shemi is was like very uh, perplexing. Yeah, Brad, and the the thing about it is Brad was furious too, and I like seeing Mad Brad. So it was a good combination of semi injustice and Mad Brad. So it definitely made the junk drawer. Uh, following that, I just wanted to point out they were playing DeBarge, the song "Rhythm of the Night" um, during a ha- second quarter timeout. I thought it was a, a great choice. Um, the Utah Jazz um, like uh, SB Nation page, their Twitter page, SLCS Dunk was just tweeting constantly like mad things about Brad Stevens and was like ma- trying to make fun of Brad Stevens the entire game just because they're still upset about Gordon Hayward and it was looked like it was hilarious. I recommend everyone checking it out just how mad online this guy was. Yeah, yeah, I saw some of those retweeted onto my timeline. Uh it very randomly salty, but hey, whatever. That's fine. Hey, it's good stuff. Um then the the game got a lot, like real intense and uh, serious, and I started taking notes on the actual game. So, uh, so I lost my junk drawer. That. <laughs> yeah, that is quite all right. That's fun. oh, I've already mentioned that uh, the I don't even remember his name, but the Bucks coach is uh, Waylon Smithers, right? Yes, you mentioned that Prunty is Waylon Smithers. Okay, and we're good then. We're good. We're good. All right. So solid, solid podcast. Uh, solid win for the Celtics. Be uh, Tuesday night's going to be. A very different, different game. Uh, we'll see what adjustments are made. Uh, again, it'll be interesting to see how they o- react to Al Horford because I think that's going to be the key. Al Horford basically got Giannis into trouble and fouled him out. Uh, even though it took all the way into the overtime, it still ended that ended that game, and it's very important. So we'll see what adjustments are made there. And what the Celtics do to avoid a second quarter like they did. So, I hope that you are going to subscribe if you're not a subscriber. And tune in to every single Lockdown Celtics podcast. Search for us wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Lockdown Celtics. We're everywhere, including Spotify. And you can tell your smart home device like Google, the the Home, or the Alexa, or whatever. Just ask that thing, whatever you ask it, until to play the Lockdown, pod, Lockdown Celtics podcast. And it'll do that. Uh, if you are a subscriber, then go give us a five-star rating and give us a good review because that is a big, big help. It helps us rise in the rankings. We're still trying to get to the top of those rankings, and that helps us get us more visible, gets more advertisers involved. It gets us money, so that's kind of a way to pay us even though we give it to you for free. So that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time here on the Locked On Celtics Podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.